The Money Show. Ad feature with Andy Rice. Make me happy, Andy Rice. Oh, <laughs> uh, Andy Rice, our uh, advertising heroes and zeros guru, the man who knows more about advertising than any other person I know. Uh, Andy Rice, Black Friday. I'm not. I'm not like uh, Michael McIntyre says. You can be overwhelmed. You can be underwhelmed, but you can't be whelmed. I feel a bit whelmed by Black Friday. There doesn't seem to be too much going on. Am I looking in the wrong places? No, I don't think you are, because I think what you're seeing is quite a lot of stuff going on, but it doesn't look any different from uh, from what you would expect. So it kind of washes over you. Um, every single uh, retailer, every single company that has the opportunity seems to be climbing into this period sandwich between John Lewis week and Christmas uh, and trying to, to get the sales now that they might not get at some other time. Um, but again, they, you, you come eventually, year on year, you come back to parity and they're all looking the same, as you say, Bruce. So um, what some of them are doing is, is sort of playing with the calendar and making uh, Black Friday last more than one day, um, a week perhaps for many of them, saying this is Black Friday week, as if that's a great competitive advantage. Some are going even longer still. Um, Royal Tents, uh, I see are advertising Black November. So the entire month is is uh, good value. In fact, they missed their chance, really, Bruce, to go with the headline, now is the discount of our winter tents. That would have been the perfect way to summarize. <laughs> too clever. Too clever, too Andy. Clever. I'm sorry, but it's brilliant, but too clever. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the only people who are really benefiting, as far as I can see, from, uh, from Black Friday are, are the printers of loose newspaper inserts, um, every single retailer that um, has any sense of competitive awareness. And, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of about it. There's not much else going for, for Black Friday other than stealing and borrowing revenue from further on in, in the year. Um, so they're kind of mortgaging off uh, to, to, to tomorrow's volumes for today in a survival mode. But there is yeah, one reason. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Sorry, Bruce. No, no, you carry on, Eddie. There is one retailer. Yeah, there is one retailer, an, um, an American company, and it's a case study that I've long admired, um, and I may even have referred to on this show some time ago, but it's a company that looked at that issue about um, what is the Black Friday experience normally like to the customer. And normally it's a, it's a, a mad scramble that makes a, um, a harrowed sale look positively tranquil. And they are um, characterized by fighting and elbows out and broken ankles and Lord knows what at point of sale. So REI, which is a kind of bigger American version of uh, Cape Union Mart, a company that specializes in retailing stuff for the outdoor activities of hiking and climbing and walking and doing all those good things, um, which I have heard about. Uh, we don't have too much first-hand experience. Um, uh, they said to themselves, it's crazy. On the one day when we, they should be um, enjoying our products and getting exactly out of them what they want, they're fighting in queues for, for marginal discounts. So what REI said was on Black Friday this year, and this was about three or four years ago, on Black Friday, we're going to close everything up. No stores, no online commerce. And I can just imagine that being presented as an idea to the CEO. And both parties very brave, the agency for going in with the idea, assuming it was them, and, uh, and the marketing director or CEO for signing it off. But they found that by spreading the discounts and the value opportunities across the entire year, not necessarily singling out 
uh, the, the one one week or one day around Black Friday, is that they they not only got a lot of business that way, but they lived up to their own proposition of getting out there and uh, uh, and using the very camping and hiking equipment that that they're, that they're promoting. So a lovely, brave idea, which a lot of people said when it happened, well, that's a, a guaranteed loss of revenue. Far from it. They did better in the, in the first year that they ran that overall than they had done in, in previous years. And they've maintained that steady growth. And they have continued to do their closing on Black Friday trip, which a few others have followed. Um, but it's uh, it's just a, a really clever idea expressed this year as gear up, get out. Um, and they end the promotion that they are running uh, four days before Black Friday on the 22nd of November to make sure that people have got time to gear up and get out. Well but done, that's, REI. No, absolutely. But when you've got a very clear brand proposition, when you know who your customer is and you know that your customer is be far happier on a mountaintop or walking along the side of a dam or a lake or through a forest than they would be elbowing other people out of the way for, for you know, a, a 20 or 30% discount, you know them. Give them what they want. They will be. They will love you more. Um, and yeah, it's brand identity, and it, it takes it to a new level. Talk about brand identities. Um, the Amarok. Now, the Amarok is a VW Bucky, um, and by all accounts, I mean certainly it, it's priced for perfection. The advertising, however, does not cut the rice mustard. Well, it has done historically. I've got no problem with with the. Uh, the bulk of um, the Amarok advertising, but uh, my eye was very vaguely attracted to a television commercial I saw last week, which was, it turned out, and I couldn't quite work out who it was for, but up came the VW Commercials vehicle logo at the end, so that, that was a clue. Um, but it was the classic model that their competitors always do of feature after feature after feature, a load box that's this big and a suspension system that's that good and an overhead cam motor that is that fast and you know on on television to to run that kind of uh, feature specific electronic brochure is absolutely the wrong thing to do i think i know why they would have done it it's because the amarok is in what they call the run out phase it's a it's a it's being replaced next year by another amarok but an but it, the next year's in 2022 the the vehicle will be effectively a Ford in VW clothing because um, it's going to be essentially a clone of the Ford Ranger and their cooperative manufacturing systems. Um, and that's all the more reason to get some decent, clever branding out there. I don't think that the fact that the vehicle is in its final phases of this particular model is justification for running this kind of um, promotionally weak advertising and brand, not brand building, frankly, closer to brand knocking down. Yep, disappointing. But I mean, you're not happy. You know, you you despise Volkswagen, do you? I think you're a fan. I'm a fan. I I, uh, I I love their advertising. I've owned a couple of golfs along the way, and uh, yeah, sorry, I think Andy, it's Andy, 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 Andy. Sorry, you've owned golfs. I mean, you 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 were not somebody who generally would be able to. I mean, Andy, you're a tall man, <laughs> um, <laughs> and. And a Golf is not a big car. Well, my first car ever, uh, a second car ever, uh, first car after my driving license was acquired uh, in the UK was a Mini. How about that? There's, there's no 
relationship, no simple arithmetical relationship between the external dimensions of a car and the internal dimensions. So that, that Mini was terrific. Um, and I never had any problem with Golfs either. So I think manufacturers okay. are finally working. Anyway, so to get back to um, oh, yeah, right. uh, where, uh, we were talking about the uh, the Amarok and its, its its weak advertising. Well, if they wanted to do a campaign that was about truly understanding that run out period of uh, switch from one range, one model range to the next one, then they should look at what VW did with their Mark One, So this is going to be a hero from about 30 years ago. When, when they were about to launch the Mark II Golf, the so-called Jumbo Golf, uh, I'm guessing this is in the 80s, um, they, were left with, they were in danger of being left with a f- uh, quite a few um, uh, stock items of the Mark I Golf across the network, across the dealer network. So they, they encouraged their advertising agents to come up with a, with a way of shifting the stock in time so that it wasn't hanging around when the new Golf came in. And from that, long story short, was uh, created the City Golf as a as a funky, youth orientated, bright coloured uh, lifestyle vehicle, and uh, it, it had the task of shifting a certain number of units in, in X weeks. Well, twenty five years later, it was still in production. It was a dramatic example of taking uh, a brand. Uh, that was about to be discontinued and giving it a new identity through personality and not through functionality. And uh, that's the way you, you do a run-out campaign um, and not, not just a load of features listed in a row like an electronic brochure. How so do they go heroes. red, yellow, green? That one's blue or something along those lines. It was a very, very good campaign all those years ago. Thank you, Andy Rice. Heroes and Zeros on a Tuesday night. Uh, Black Friday is something of a damn squib. Uh, Amarok, disappointing and dreary TV advertising. But remember the great city golf adverts. They were lovely. Um, and, yeah, that vehicle stayed in production for 25 years. Andy's advice to VW is stick to the truth of what you're good at.